Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that there truly is power in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we've experienced that, and we thank you that we got to express our thankfulness, our appreciation for what it is that you have done through us, through just taking of the bread and drinking of the cup. And Father, we do that, and we will keep doing that until your Son, Jesus, comes again in glory. And Father, we pray that until that time, you would encourage us to live life in the way that you've called us to live it and to experience it. And whatever you need to do, Holy Spirit, in our hearts to bring us to that point, do it today, we pray, so that we start 2017 in the right way, in the Jesus way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Please do uh, take your seats. Great to be with you this morning as we begin our series entitled uh, 21 Again. Uh, 21 Again. This may seem like a strange title, but it will become clear in just a moment why it is that we uh, basically have called the series that, uh, why we've given it that name. Now, I want to turn your attention, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, please would you uh, raise your hands in the air. Our ushers will come and they will just be delighted to loan you a copy of the Scriptures. And once you are there, you will then need to turn to page 1176. Page 1176. And that will... Uh, basically take you to our text this morning. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, contains three exhortations, three words of encouragement. The first is in verses 15 and 16. The second is in verse 17. And the third is in verses 18 through 20. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, the passage we're going to look at over the next few weeks, basically is a summary of verses 1 through 14, and it preempts what Paul would write from verse 21 through the end of the book into the middle of Ephesians chapter 6. And if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, you know that Paul encourages us to put on the armor of God, and he does so because there's a mission that God has called us to. And what Paul does in verses 15 through 20 is really set up that mission. What he does is essentially call us to live with intent and with purpose. Uh, Kim, can you transition to the screen there for me? That would be great. Thank you. Um, and uh, what he does is he calls us to live with purpose. And uh, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the purpose that God has called us to live. And we do so now because this is a great time to do it. Many of us have probably had intense intentions for the year. According to statistics, many of us, 40% of us have already broken those. But my goal today is to really inspire us to, to live with intent and live purpose. And so the title of the message today is, is basically, we have been licensed to live. This is the idea. So have a look at this text with me. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is what you're reading there. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The verse begins, be very 
careful. My first memory of that phrase came as I was a teen, a young teen in Wales, and a number of my friends wanted to go to Scare Beach, S-K-E-R. It's a great beach. It's a surfing beach on the Welsh coast. And we lived about three, four miles away from it. And they wanted to go down one, uh, one summer's day. And uh, so I went to my mom and I said, Mom, can I go to Scare with the guys? We're going down on our bikes and everything else. And the words she said to me were, were be very careful. Now, what do you think I said when I heard those words? <laughs> I said, why? What's the big deal? Right, I'm a teen. I've got no idea about the, about the days, about, the, about the, the bad things that could happen. It turned out my mother was right, by the way, because everything was great. I went down, uh, down to the beach without uh, a top on at all. It didn't take a shirt. It was like 80 degrees, which was like great for us down there. I came back, had sunstroke. My mother's right. Be very careful how you go to the beach, because if you don't, you don't take your t-shirt, and then you end up with a heat stroke, like I had for a week. Never been so cold in the heat in my life. Be very careful. But as the day started, I said to my mom, why? When you read these words, be very careful, we ask why, don't we? Why? But let's look at the meaning here of the words, be very careful. Very is the word akribos. It means to do something with exactness or accuracy. And then the word careful is actually the word blepo. It means to see, to kind of examine, to beware, to consider, to take heed. So Paul says here, guys, be very careful. Make sure that you do something with exactness, with accuracy, making sure you see properly. The question we ask is, why? And the answer, if you look at the text that comes back is, because the days are evil. That's why. Whenever you ask a question, why? Essentially, what you're asking is a motivation question. So my mom that day, mom, can I go down to the beach? Yes, but be very careful. Why? What's going to motivate me to be careful? What motivates people here to be careful is because the days are evil. Now, motives are really important. Motives are those inward thoughts or reasons that propel our words and our deeds. Motives reveal what we truly believe. So Paul says, listen, be very careful. Why? What's the motive for this? Well, the days are evil. Here's the point. If you actually leave it there, that seems like a pretty negative experience, doesn't it? I'm mindful that many of you may well have come in here today and you hear me say, be very careful. Why? Because the days are evil, and that truly is your experience. Your mandate, your mission, in a sense, for 2016 is being motivated by the experience of pain in evil days, pain in dark days. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've gone through your first holiday without a loved one. And then you hear me say those words, be very careful. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be very careful, and I'll tell you why. Life is really hard. 
that chair, nobody wanted to sit in it because they weren't there. Some of you are here today and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna live very careful because you know what, I've just lost my job and I don't know whether we're gonna make the next mortgage payment. Some of you are here and you're saying, yeah, I'm gonna be very careful, do you know why? Because I'm just going through a divorce, a painful divorce where I've been cheated on. And I'm gonna be careful because the bottom line is people can't be trusted. Oh, you're right, I'm gonna be careful because you're right, the days are evil. But see, here's the point in the text. The point in the text is when our motivation for doing something is actually becomes our mission, that we can't see past the motivation, then we quickly lose our ambition to live. See, if you're in here today and you're listening to these words, be very careful. And the motivation you know all too well is that the days are evil. This world causes us pain. Then what's likely to happen is you're likely to take a step back in 2017 when what God wants you to do is to take a step in. And if you read this text, Ephesians 5, 1 through 14, because that basically provides the foundation for these verses in verses 15 and 16. If you go back to verses 1 through 7, you'll even find scriptural support, so it would seem, for you to take a step back. Glance at the text there. Verses 1 through 7 of Ephesians chapter 5 basically fleshes out evil ways in evil days. And it basically said, Christians, when you experience evil of different kinds, whether it be through the, what people say or through what people do to you, Paul says, take a step back. Don't partner with them. Separate yourselves from them. And what happens in life is that when we confuse our motivation, these days are evil, so we've got to be careful, for our mission we end up doing the wrong thing. We end up doing exactly the opposite of what God calls us to do. So many Christians have looked at this verse and saying, do not partner with them, separate yourselves from them, and actually done exactly the opposite of what Paul intended to happen. And so in the 1960s, as the sexual revolution was happening, Christians and even pastors would stand in the pulpit and they'd read this text, do not partner with them, have nothing to do with them. And they would basically be encouraging their church to take a step back. Hey, this is the safe place, they'd say, come in here, you'll be safe. Everybody thinks like you in here, looks like you in here, sings like you in here, just close the doors. This is what we do, we won't partner with the world. And what happened? Christianity lost its grip on this nation. The motivation was right. These are evil days, so we are going to be careful. But the action, which truly shows the mission, what you understand life to be, was symbolized by this taking a step back, not getting involved. That's not what Paul was saying here. Paul is not encouraging anyone to make the motivation of our life, our mission, because when we do that, we're not licensed to live we're actually licensed to live in fear of darkness and of pain. And what we celebrated with the communion this morning is basically Jesus has overcome. Death has been defeated. Sin holds no, uh, no fear for us. There's nothing that we are struggling with that God can't help us overcome. 
And so the question when we read these words, be very careful, should not be why, as tempting as it is, but what for? What is God wanting us to be very careful for? What does God have in store for us in 2017? And if you look at the text, the text tells us this again. Have a look at verse 15 again. Be very careful. What for? What's the purpose? What's the point? Because we need to make the most of every opportunity. That's what for. See, when you look at this, be very careful. We say, why? What's the motivation for this? Well, the days are evil. Yeah, we all know that. That if we don't ask what for, we can live in fear of the pain that we've all experienced. We can live in fear of the world outside that is dark, that does champion ways that are not God's. And we can take a step back. That's why we need to ask what for? I'll tell you what for, folks. God wants you to take and to make the most of every opportunity that 2017 brings. Now, I love this phrase, making the most of every opportunity. It is so pregnant with meaning. The word most, it's a compound word, two Greek words put together to make a new one. It's ex agorazo. The word ek is the first part of this. It's a preposition that means out of. Most means the first part of it, out of. It's used by Paul in Galatians 3, chapter 13. We celebrated this fact this morning that Christ redeemed us. Notice that word redemption, please. Redeemed us from, which is out of, ek. Christ redeemed us out of the curse of the law, which reveals that we are all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which reveals to us that basically the wages of this sin is death, but God took us out of, do you see the power of this word? He took us out of that curse, and he actually made Christ. Christ became a curse for us. That word is so strong, out of. God takes people out of. What situation are you in right now? God takes you out of it. Heck. And then you have that word agarazzo, which basically means to buy up in the marketplace. So you put the words together and you have this idea of most here as buying up out of the marketplace. Doesn't most do it just total disservice? You should never read the word most the same way again. With most, it means God's take, picking something up and he's taking it out of the marketplace. And what is he taking out of that marketplace? It's the word opportunity. God is taking opportunity up out of the marketplace and he's putting it right into your lap. It's the word kairos. Kairos is a Greek word for time. There are a number of Greek words for time, but basically there's two that we're familiar with. One of those words is chronos. We get the word chronological from this. Chronological time speaks to linear time, minutes, hours, days. So when Paul says, look, be very careful, here's what for, God is basically buying up opportunities out of the marketplace and he is putting them straight into your lap. He's not talking about time, what's going to happen at lunchtime. He's actually talking about what's going to happen at an appointed time. A time where God has simply appointed something incredible to happen for you. That's why we need to be careful. 
That's the what for. We don't have to live in fear of the pain that we've experienced because the days are evil. We need to be motivated by the fact that the days are evil. And we need to recognize, wow, God wants us to make the most of an opportunity that he has just bought out of the market and he has placed right into our lap. You see, time is a commodity that is to be capitalized upon and used for good. And what I love about the start of a year is it's a healthy reminder for all of us that that's what time is. At this point of the year, more than at any other point in the year, people seem to be ready to use time as kairos rather than just chronos. Yeah, we think I'm a year older, chronological, chronos, but I wanna make the most of the time this year, kairos. I want to use this time redemptively. Paul is the only one that uses this phrase this way in the New Testament. And it's been interpreted as redeeming the time. Heard that phrase? Redeeming the time. That's what it means, that's where it comes from. God basically wants us to redeem the time. Redeem it, pick it up out of that marketplace and use it to ensure that something significant happens. That's the way it's used in the New Testament. So therefore in Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, as we have kairos moments, as we have that kairos moment, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Be very careful. What's the motivation for this? The days are evil, but what are we doing here? We are making the most of every opportunity because God is going to give us plenty of opportunities in 2017, and we may need to make sure that we're doing the right thing. I believe this is true for us as a church. 2017 is gonna be an awesome year. When I think about time, okay, I often think about it chronologically. So I'll divide the, the year up into like quarters, okay? January to March, April, keep going through for second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarters. Any of you do that? Probably many of you like me. And as, we were, as I was doing that in prepping for this year, I started to look at the Kairos opportunities we're gonna have this year. It's unbelievable. The first quarter of this year, our kids' playland opens. As a result of that, we're going to have more children and parents, get this, in this church, in this facility, over this year than at any other point in this church's history. 121 years this church has been on the face of this earth. But 2017 is a Kairos moment. And God wants us to make sure that we're gonna make the most of every opportunity because there are gonna be people who've never darkened the doors of a church that will want somewhere to take their kids on a day like today. And many people who live within a couple of miles of this place haven't got the money that some of us have. They need that way out. And what we're doing in this year is we're establishing that opportunity for our, for our kids' ministry to utilize that kids' playland to minister to people. God's got a Kairos moment for us with that. The Playland will open. The activity center will be redesigned, has been uh, kind of redesigned. It will be open. In the same time, at the end of this first quarter, we'll have our teaching pastor in place. We're in the middle of interviews for that right now. That's just the first quarter. Then we go into quarter number two, and uh, our Grand Rapids team will launch the Grand Rapids campus. 
Yeah, a number of you are going. I'm, lo- I'm looking at uh, some of that. Uh, th- that's going to be incredible. It's an opportunity again for us to seize a moment. Easter Sunday, they launch. It's another Kairos moment for us. All the preparations that Taran and Jordan are doing towards that end, they're going full stream right now. They're investing themselves 100% towards that goal. We also believe and are praying that in that second, second quarter, we will finally find the facility that we've been looking in Holland for, for our Hispanic campus with Pastor Jose. That's the second quarter. You go into the third quarter, and finally, the next gen space is finished, the legacy gen space is finished, the gathering grounds will be done, everything else will be ready. That's at the end of the summer, right in time for that fall season. Folks, there's an awful lot of things that are going to happen chronologically through this year, but it's not chronos that we need to be concerned about, it's kairos. There are opportunities that God is going to place into our lap. And what are we going to do? Are we going to make our motivation our mission? Are we basically going to say, hey, the days are evil, so we're going to just step back and this is for us only? No, that's not what we do. We use the fact that there are evil ways and evil days to do what God has called us to do and to make sure that we seize every single opportunity. That's what we do. Now, the question is, what motivates a person to experience an opportunity. Me telling you, okay, that listen, God is gonna bring you not just moments, opportunities, but kairos moments, kairos opportunities, doesn't mean to say that you're gonna experience it, right? Doesn't mean to say that we're gonna do it. Just because 2016 was an, it was an awesome year, typified by really great decisions on so many parts, doesn't mean to say that that's gonna be the same for 2017. In 2016, over 700 people confessed faith in Christ through our ministry. Over 700. Well, if you don't applaud for that, I don't know what you applaud for. (laughs) Over 700. 162 people through our ministry stood up and publicly made their private confession a reality before all of us in the waters of baptism. 162. In the history of this church, our year-end giving basically is the second highest that we have ever experienced. It's only, the only other year higher than that was when there was a crisis and we needed to give more. Your generosity in 2016 in great days is inspiring. 2016 may have been a bad year for many, but 2016 was a great year for us. It was a great year for the kingdom of God. I could keep going with this. But just because we've experienced God's blessing on us for 2016 through taking opportunities doesn't mean to say that we'll do the same thing. Now make no mistake about it, opportunities will come. Here's why I say that. Look at the verse again. Be very careful then. Why? Recognizing that the days are evil. What for? That God is placing Kairos moments into our life that he wants us to take hold of. How are we going to know that these opportunities are going to come? Be very careful then how you live. How do we know this? That word live is the word walk. Peripatel. To walk, to behave, to conduct yourself. That's why the message translation translates those first three words, not be careful, but watch your step. What's it take for a person to experience an opportunity? A step, that's it. It's that simple. If you are here and you can walk, 
then God's gonna place kairos moments in your life. If you're here and you can breathe, some of us may be physically impaired and can't walk that easy. If you're here that you can breathe, the very fact that you can take another breath means that God's gonna place an opportunity in front of you. I guarantee that for us as a church, everything I've just said with the Playland, with the activity center, the next gen, the legacy space, everything is basically gonna mean we're gonna give, we're gonna experience opportunities this year. That's gonna happen because we're living, we're breathing, we're walking, we're moving. To live is to experience the opportunity of a Kairos moment. So to receive that opportunity, all we need to do is walk. But see, here's the point. When your motivation becomes your mission, the motivation here is evil days. But when evil days becomes your mission in life, in other words, I've experienced this evil, so rather than step in and take an opportunity, I'm gonna step back and just make sure I get through this year safe. When your motivation becomes your mission, your inhibition thrives in the face of opposition and your apprehension grows in the presence of danger. We're so good at this as Christians. We make the motivation evil days, that thing that should inspire us. We make it our mission. And when we experience pain, rather than allowing God to transform it and use it to help another person, we just take a step back and we quit. I wonder how many of you can honestly say, Craig, I'm sitting here today in 2017 and my faith isn't where it used to be. My passion for life isn't where it used to be. And there may be legitimate reasons for that to happen, but when you make that your goal and that your action, then basically what happens is you're just taking a step back and you're making what should motivate you to experience Christ, your mission in life, and you're taking a step back and your faith is becoming distant and boring and dull. That's not living life. That's hiding away from it. See, there is so much pain in this world that we all experience. But the minute we don't focus on the mission that God has given to us is the minute that that danger overwhelms us. That the opportunities, and there are so many, basically means that we're unable to move. In a sense, we feel like those disciples who were there with Jesus on the day when Jesus was ministering through teaching and healing. And at one point in time, he turns to his disciples and said, guys, we've reached the end of the day and these folks are hungry. Do me a favor, feed them. They looked at Jesus and said, what do you, what do you mean? How are we gonna do this? All we got are a few loaves and a few fish. See, there was a Kairos moment that was theirs to be grabbed in this point, but they looked at what they had and what they lacked. They looked at where they were rather than just giving it back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, do something with it. Our mission as a church is simply to amplify the hope and life of Jesus to all people. That's what we want to do. And a number of people have come up to me since we've kind of thrown that mission out there and said, Craig, why, why do you guys do this? And my answer is always the same. Here's what motivates me, folks. 
The days are evil. Time is late. The needs are great. And everyone needs to hear the gospel. That's what motivates me. But you know, if I allow those motivations, everyone needs to hear the gospel, to become my mission, I will basically feel so overwhelmed and I will feel under so much pressure in the face of danger. Let me explain what I mean. What I mean is that think about all of the people that are gonna come through the doors of this church over the next year, and if I make it my mission to share the gospel with all of them, that's my motivation. If I make that my mission, then basically what am I really achieving? What are we really doing? No, there is a greater mission at the heart of this. It's not simply sharing the gospel with people. It's amplifying the hope and life of Jesus to all people. That's what we're doing. But the minute we make the thing that motivates us, the needs are great, the time is late, everybody needs to hear the gospel, our mission, we can become so overwhelmed and we start measuring the wrong thing. Folks, we're not doing what we're doing here because we want more people in our church. How many of you have heard that? Oh, Central's big enough. They just want more people in our church. You know what? Yeah, I do. I'll be honest, I do. I want more people to come through the doors of this church. But do you know why? The time is great. The time is late. The needs are great, and everybody needs to hear the gospel. But that's not the reason for it, folks. The reason for it is I believe that when Jesus enters a person's life, a life is transformed. Those that are hopeless become hopeful. Those that are dead become alive. Those that are enslaved are set free. That's why. But it's so easy to let the motivation become our mission, and then we start measuring the wrong things. Oh, Central is a big church. Does it really need to be bigger? I pray that God will continue to say to us, enlarge your tents. Be prepared for the great thing that I will do. I want Jesus to reach more people. Why? Because I want more people to experience hope and life, not because I want to share the gospel with everyone. That's the means. It's not the end. So all we need to do to make the most of an opportunity this year is to walk. Walking, making sure that we don't miss the opportunity, and then we don't make that thing that motivates us our end goal. We don't do that. So the question becomes then, okay, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to keep my eyes open and carefully fixed on what God wants me to do, then what enables that motivated person to seize that opportunity and act redemptively? Opportunities are going to come to us all, each and every one of us. To walk is to receive an opportunity, but what needs to happen if I'm actually going to seize it? Go back to the text. It's in the text. The text says, be very wise. That's the requirement. Be very careful how you live. Why? Because the days are evil. Yeah, the evil nature of the days motivates me to seize an opportunity. That's the moment. That's the movement that God wants. What do I need in order to take that opportunity? I need wisdom. I need to be really wise. You see, wise people have a perception on life that actually authenticates itself through their practice. 2016 revealed that as a church, we were very wise in what we did. It's shown through our practice. Mike has already said, nearly $3 million in the project has been paid for in cash. We were wise in what we were doing. But just because we were wise last year doesn't mean we'll be wise this year. We get to the end of 2017 and we work out how wise we truly were because wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is action. 
how many of us are wise in this place? Well, our wisdom in 2017 will be revealed at the end of 2017. But the requirement is that we all are wise. So what's the mission then? What does God want us to do in 2017? Have you noticed that I've gone through pretty much every word in this verse and, and I'm not finding the mission here, right? Now this will tell you how I read the text when I read it. This is just how confused my brain is. You've got the exhortation, right? Be very careful. That's what we're being encouraged to do with 2017. Be very careful. We've got the environment. The environment in which our care and attention to detail is going to be shown is life. It's the steps that we take. Then we have the requirement to do this. It's actually that we live wise. Wisdom is going to be shown not through what we know, but through what we do. What for? There's a movement. The church is not supposed to be a monument. It's supposed to be a movement. A movement of people who seize opportunities. And then at the end, you get the motivation. Our motivation is that evil is in the world. There are evil ways and evil days, and that doesn't put the fear of God into us. It inspires us. So you get all of these things, but where's the mission in this verse? It's right there with that word then. See, that word then is actually the word therefore. And as I've said many times in the past, whenever you see a therefore, you ask yourself what it's there for. Verses 15 through 20 summarize what happens in verses 1 through 14. Be very careful, therefore. What's it there for? To remind us of our mission in the previous verses. Have a look at this with me. Have a look at the text with me. Verses 1 through 7 talk about what motivates us. The reality of evil through what people say, what people do, what people experience. That motivates us. And then in verse 8, Paul starts to talk about the mission. I love this. I want you to look at verse 13 first. I'm going to go verse 13 and back up to verse 8. Have a look at verse 13. This is the mission. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Verse 15, this is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's amazing. Now look at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are in the light. You are light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. All too often we read verse 8 and we think of Isaiah. The people who once walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's what we think, right? But that's not what it says. It says you were once what? Darkness. You were darkness. But what are you right now? If you're in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed Christ to be your Lord and Savior, what does it say? It doesn't say that you walk in the light. What does it say? You are the light. What's our mission? Verse 13. To walk into the darkness of evil days as what? Light holders. Light carriers. When we walk into dark places, light turns on. And why? Look at the text. The text basically says that light, this light exposes the darkness. There's one thing, right? If you open a dark room and you turn the light on, the darkness is exposed. It is gone. But also there is what? An illumination there. And everything that is illuminated becomes the light. I love this. 
Commentators say, how is this possible? How does this work? Because he's talking about the people that we live among, the people that we live with. The one we recognize, we are the light. The darkness is exposed. And the light of Christ shines on those that are sleeping, they wake. And see, when mission, motives, and opportunity converge, this is what Paul says happens. Sleeping people wake. Stalling people start. Slothful people rise. Sick people heal. And enslaved people are set free. That's our mission. That's what we're called to do. The darkness shouldn't put the fear of God into the church in the way that it put the fear of God into the Pharisees when Jesus was alive. You remember what happens in Matthew chapter 9? In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus attends the house of Matthew, the tax collector. You remember, Jews hated the Romans and the tax collectors. A Jew should have nothing to do with the tax collector. But Jesus goes and spends the time with Matthew in Matthew's house. The religious leaders are there and they're furious with Jesus because in their view, darkness and light should not mix. And after the Matthew party, as it's been called, was finished, the religious leaders go to Jesus and they basically say, what are you doing? Don't don't you know what you're doing there? These two don't mix. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, wait a minute, it's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus has an idea of life that actually makes the light more powerful than darkness, that makes holiness more contagious than every power of sin. This is what Paul is building on. And guess what? If you know Jesus, it's not just that you walk in this light. Paul says here, you are the light. The Christian faith is based on the the idea, on the truth that Jesus was one person of two natures. His first nature was divine. Added to that was the human nature. We also, the minute we become partakers in salvation through Jesus Christ, we also become one person with two natures. Our first nature is not divine. Our first nature is human. But to that human nature, there is added that divine nature. Paul says you are partakers of the divine nature. That's why you are the light, because it's the light of Jesus shining in you. Listen, if we want to make 2017 work well for us, we have to seize the opportunity. And it begins by knowing what our mission is. Our mission is Shine your light, the light that lives in you in the darkness, in the dark places that God has called you into. Don't step back, be very, very wise. I'm not saying that sin or evil aren't powerful, they are, but I do believe that God is more powerful still. And when we step in and we expose this darkness, this would illuminate, has this idea of transformation to it. There is a transformation that happens in the lives of the people that we mix with, in the lives of the people that we meet with. R.C. Sproul says this, Christians are called to live in the context of spiritual crisis. Listen, until Jesus comes back, that's the context, spiritual crisis, evil days. It doesn't put the fear of God into us, it actually motivates us to live for Jesus. Evil is rampant in the culture around us. And as long as the kingdom of God is in conflict with the powers of darkness, it may be said that the days are evil. Folks, use this as a motivation to live like Jesus, not as a motivation to hide your light under a bowl. Oh, 
2017 is going to be an awesome year. I believe the people of God across this nation and across this world are going to rise up and we're going to see God do things that he's never done before. And so it's time to become 21 again. Now I realize when I say that, that many of us are thinking 21 again. Do I really want to become 21 again? Some of us, however, that idea is just like awesome, right? To be able to live life in the first half the way that we know it should be lived now. Somebody has said that the goal of life in the first half of life is to figure out what life is about and in the second half of life to live the life that we now know. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to rewind the clock, rewind time, and just be able to live life as a 21-year-old as a with the knowledge and the wisdom that we've got right now? But we can't do that. But there is something that happens when a person becomes 21 that each and every one of us can grab hold of. When a person turns 21, something happens. And what happens, essentially happens, or begins a few years earlier. This is that vertical driver's license, right, that you get when you turn, when you first have your permit, right? It's vertical. I think it was introduced in 2001. And it was introduced, this vertical license, in 2001 as a way of expressing a truth. And that is that someone under the age of 21 lives their life under the managing constraint of a higher power, of a higher authority. There are certain things that they cannot do. This is me, by the way, with my photograph for my first ever passport. We didn't have driver's license with uh, pictures on there. So I'm 16 years of age, yeah, I got a mop of hair, and I've got a bright yellow coat on. I love that thing. <laughs> but then what happens? What happens is you, you kind of turn 21, and it flips, doesn't it? it? It goes from the horizontal, and it goes into the, it goes from the vertical, and it goes into the horizontal. It's kind of like that. Do you realize that whenever you receive a license like that, it's actually making a profound legal statement? It, it's saying you once lived under the managing constraint of a higher power, but now you have reached the age of maturity where not only can you drink, right? That's what we all think. Great news, verses 18 through 20, do not be drunk on wine, get there in the text as well. But not only have you got the freedom to drink, you now have the full rights to live in freedom as a citizen of this nation. And let me tell you, it's time for us all to become 21 again. It's time for us all to grow up mature, uh, in, in terms of our spiritual maturity. To recognize that a mature Christian isn't someone who simply lives upright before God. And we do that because of Jesus and God's grace. Even when we fail, he forgives us over and over again. But no, maturity means it's time to live outright too. Folks, it's time for us to become 21 again. It's time for us to recognize that not only did Jesus Christ make it possible for us to live outright with God, he has actually made it possible for us to live outright in an evil world in a way that is so powerful and all of this is possible because you 
our light. Church, let your light shine. And as it does, think right. We'll talk about that next week. Behave right. And my prayer will be that we will be here at the start of 2018 and we will be saying, wow, look at what God has done. Not just for us in this room, but for us personally. Church, you are light in the Lord. Allow your light to shine. Let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Let's pray together. Father, we have listened to this and we just see again the depth of riches that there are in your word. And we've been reminded, not challenged today, Father, but encouraged to be very careful how we live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Because you're gonna put a whole host of tireless opportunities into our laps. And you're calling us to redeem that time. And you're asking us to do all of this because the darkness is overwhelming out there. But Father, we thank you that the darker the night, the brighter the light of Jesus. And I pray that everybody in this room would just recognize, Father, who they are, that they are light in the Lord. And may we, Father, leave this place recognizing that we have been licensed to live upright before you and outright in the world. As we leave this place, Father, may we go in peace, go in grace, and would you go with us and empower our every step. In Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Thank you all so much for being with us today again. If you need prayer, the altars are always open. There's a prayer room out and to the right. Thank you so much for being here. Continue to pray for us and uh, we will do that for you and you have a great week and we will see you all next week. God bless, have a great week.